When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, before we get this episode started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash positivelytrek, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, and Dave Garcia. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to help keep Positively Trek coming to you each week, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can help out the show, and at any level, you will receive perks such as early access and exclusive bonus content. Thank you all so much for listening. And with that, let's get on with the show. Buckets, buckets, buckets! Fascinating. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Positively Trek, where we have an animated discussion all about a Lower Decks episode. That's right, this is our Lower Decks review show. We are talking this week about Season 2, Episode 5, An Embarrassment of Duplers. And uh, I'm really happy to be back on the show after a bit of an absence. And I, of course, cannot do the show alone. So with me, as he is every week, is the amazing Bruce Gibson. Bruce... How are you doing? I'm doing great. I feel like I could just like burst out of my body and become multiple me's right now. <laughs> oh no. Well, we'll we'll try and keep you calm. We'll try and not, you know, get you agitated or embarrassed or anything like that. Yeah, and and no silent treatments either. No kidding. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, if that does happen, I'm prepared to berate you. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> I would actually like to see you try that. That would be kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 can't, I, I can't think of a bad thing to say to you. So if, you know, we were in that position, I'd be worried that I wouldn't be able to step up and, uh, yeah, really cut you down to size. I, 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 yeah, hmm, that, that worries me. I would probably think he's got to be joking. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> Just make you laugh and okay, well, that's something I guess. Maybe by the so. end of the episode we'll berate each other. <laughs> I I can't see that happening, but we'll we'll see what we can do. So yeah, we're talking today, like I said, about the episode An Embarrassment of Duplers. And yeah, let's just jump right into it. So we've got this ambassador aboard the ship, played by the amazing Richard Kind, who's now in the Star Trek universe, which makes me very, very happy. I love this actor. He always plays the most like neurotic, weird characters. And as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, who is that guy? That sounds so familiar. And then it occurred to me and I couldn't think of his name. I just kept listing all of the roles that he's played. And, you know, most recently having seen him in Stargate, he's in the film as some, you know, American 
Air Force official. And then he shows up later in SG-1 as Vala's father. So he plays two roles there. And I'm like, oh, what's his name? What's his name? So I did have to look up that it is Richard Kind. And I'm so happy that he's in Star Trek now. I know. I recognized the voice right away. And I was like, wait, I know that voice. And it took me a moment to figure out who that was. It's like, I know it. I know it. I know it. But who is he? I remember him back in the days. Gosh, I guess it was maybe the early 90s. He was on a show. I'm trying to remember. I'm looking it up real quick. I can't remember if it was Tracy Allman or if it was Carol Burnett. She had a revival show. I think it was Carol Burnett. that She did a show for a little while. Then he was on. And that was like early, early, early days. And every time I see him, I think about how, yeah, I'm just looking it up. He was on the Carol Burnett show. It was a revival uh, in 1991, and he was part of that cast. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, he's one of those ones who's popped up just about everywhere at some point. And he's so distinctive. That distinctive voice just really uh, snaps you back to whatever you remember him from, for sure. So, yeah, he's a Dupler emissary. And the Duplers, apparently, when they get embarrassed... They duplicate. And I'm getting, of course, real Tribble vibes here, but, you know, kind of neurotic, awkward Tribbles, I guess, who can speak. <laughs> it did have those that Tribble kind of vibe to it. It made me wonder if they said, oh, we should do like a Tribble episode, but not use Tribbles. Let's like try not to go the well too much. Maybe we just have some ambassador guy. We've never seen that before in any other Star Trek, a Dupler. So this is a new alien we can put to the list. Absolutely. Yep. Nope. He, he, I, we would remember, I think, if we'd seen this guy before, for sure. Yeah, of course, it, it fits in the silliness universe of Lower Decks. Of course, you know, I would have a hard time buying this if it were live action. But of course, because it's in this kind of exaggerated world of Lower Decks, I'm totally buying it. You know, it just dawned on me that I would love to see them do an episode that looks just like the animated series. Or maybe hmm. it is the, you know, another like a bonus animated series episode. And they use the same music, the same style, the same animation, all that. And you put duplers in or other things that we've seen in Lower Decks into that episode of the animated series. That would be pretty cool. Speaking of the animated series, of course... That's one thing I got to say about Lower Decks is the original animated series gets a lot of love from this show. There are a lot of references and stuff to the animated series. I love seeing that. And uh, a friend of the show, of course, Aaron Harvey, must be over the moon with a lot of these uh, references and stuff. So, yeah, t let's talk about the winged creatures that you mm -hmm. tell me that bit of controversy related to those. <laughs> I think it's a controversy in about five or six different people. And that's probably about it. But yeah, so we see these winged creatures. And of course, my brain and a lot of fans brains who are familiar with the animated series will immediately go, oh, they're an Aurelian. They're Aurelians from the animated series. We saw them there. But there's also another avian species from the animated series called the Score. And there are subtle differences between the two of them. And if you look at these two characters that we see, they do appear much closer to the score than the Aurelians. So I guess the controversy kind of arose. Memory Alpha identifies them as Aurelians, but the animated series expert, Aaron Harvey, definitely has evidence and can point you to the reasons why they are, in fact, score and not Aurelians. So... Uh, I think groin plumage is one of the indicators, which uh, 
that's an interesting phrase that I didn't think I'd be saying so much in uh, the last couple of days, but there you go. <laughs> I'm glad you said that and not me. Yeah, I remember seeing the the creatures or the species on on Lower Decks and I knew they were from the animated series. I just couldn't remember their names, but I didn't even realize that there was two that looked similar and now we got to get it right and Memory Alpha is wrong. Maybe by the time this episode drops, it's been corrected, but we need to get that fixed. You know, Mm -hmm. because then, you know, people are going to get it wrong all the time. Yeah. And I mean, we can't have that. That that would be the end of civilization as we know it. No. Right. Because that would be like someone saying, oh, James T. Kirk. No, it's James R. Kirk. You know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. You know, somebody did point out in the comments that I was watching this discussion kind of unfold that the Aurelians and the score look closer to each other than a lot of different members of the same species. Klingons, for example, look to each other. So, you know, (laughs) is is it much of a difference? But yeah. And Orion's from the animated series look different from what we see in the live action. And don't they even pronounce that a little differently? Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. When they say Orion in the animated series. Yeah. That's uh, somebody made a choice somewhere that is not right. (laughs) I'm so confused now. Yeah. Well, especially since Orion is not a Star Trek word. That's the actual name for the star that we have. So the fact that they said Orion... Uh, oh <laughs> that boy. is strange, isn't it? <laughs> well, if you want to at home tell the difference between an Aurelian and a score, as I mentioned, there is the groin plumage. I think the score do not have it and the Aurelians do. But the most easy way to tell the difference is Aurelians have kind of a scrawny thin neck and the score have a big thicker neck. And the ones we see are the more thick necked alien race here. So there you go. This is this is the important stuff that we're discussing here on Positively Track. You know, can't afford to get it wrong. Oh my gosh, we're wasting our lives away. <laughs> you get that feeling too, do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about Lower Decks and speaking of wasting our lives away, but, uh, you know. It's something we enjoy, whatever. So the Cerritos is en route to Starbase 25, where there's this big uh, senior officers conference, I guess. Conference, I say it's more of a party kind of thing. And they want to make it there because for the first time, a captain of a California class vessel is going to be on hand to make it to this party. And, you know, Captain Freeman wants to be there with her senior officers, but they've been walking on eggshells with this Dupler ambassador, so there's no issues. But of course, we know what's going to happen. There's a, a moment where Captain Freeman is talking on the view screen about this ambassador and how terrible it's been and how it's been so tough to walk on eggshells around him and stuff. And of course, he has come on the bridge and is hearing all of this, gets embarrassed and starts duplicating. So, I mean, it was inevitable once the central premise of this character was said, but uh, of course it has to play out here. You know, as you're talking, it just occurred to me, we had that short tracks with the Tribbles, with Edward. Mm -hmm. They should have put like a a character that looked like Edward in the background. It's like a little Easter egg. Hmm. Like maybe just in his underwear. You know? (laughs) That would have been funny because it was like this, the same premise of the ship being, you know, overtaken and they can't fit. And, you know, it's just building up to the ceilings and stuff. But I did enjoy the Dupler character. I mean, yeah, that would I would be on eggshells, too. But as soon as the captain starts, oh, 
yes, you know, it's been very difficult. You know, he's so emotionally fragile. It's like you knew, you knew he's hearing this, even though you don't see he's there. He's there. You're like, oh no, oh no, he's going to freak out once he hears this. Earlier than that, I like the scene when they were having dinner together and he drops his fork and everybody's just like, <gasps> and he's like, <gasps> And I'm thinking about, I remember when my kids were little, if they dropped a fork, you typically just reach down, pick it back up, wipe it off, or you hand them another fork or get another fork or whatever. You sometimes don't make a big deal about it, but sometimes the kid would drop something and look at you like, am I in trouble? And I remember there were times it was like, I didn't want my child to feel like she was in trouble. So I would do something funny like, oh yeah, I dropped my fork too. And I thought that scene reminds me of that. (laughs) It's like the same thing because you don't want to upset him because now he's just duplicating everywhere and just overtaking the whole bridge. It's, it's crazy. And then I love how they couldn't get out of it. Right. You know, even when they're trying to fix the situation, he's taking it the wrong way. Like, I'm doing something wrong. If you're doing this, if you're saying this, I'm I'm doing something wrong. Like, you know, the whole silent treatment. It's mm-hmm. quiet. You're giving me the silent treatment. That's not a good sign. Boop, 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 boop. And he keeps going. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like right off the bat. Right. Because he says, oh, my God, duplicating is the most embarrassing thing I could do. And then he starts duplicating more because he's embarrassed about that. Yeah, I I loved some of those moments where, oh, my God, it's because of me, isn't it? Well, yeah, obviously, but, you know, we're trying to calm you down. But I like later when Tendi and Rutherford are trying to get away from them and they finally get up into that little thing and they close the hatch. And he's he's just like, you don't like us, do you? It's just like... (laughs) He can't stop. It's almost like someone having an anxiety attack, right? It's Absolutely, like, yeah. It just keeps building and building, and everything you hear is just like, like why can't I calm down, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost frightening if you think about it in that way. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll uh, get to how that problem is eventually solved, but let's jump over to the Tendi Rutherford story that's kind of going on in parallel to this as well. And as a uh, as a model builder... As someone who builds a lot of like model starships and that kind of thing, I loved this that Rutherford and Tendi are working on a scale model of the USS Cerritos. And uh, not just a scale model, one with working phasers and computers and, and warp cores, apparently. And it threatens to fly away sometimes if you <laughs> do the wrong thing or whatever. Uh, that was a lot of fun as someone who would love a more functional starship model, I guess, than just a display model. You know, we always put like lights and some people put sounds into their models, but they've gone the ultimate step here. And it's basically just a tiny USS Cerritos, totally functional. I wonder when they'll come out with a Cerritos model kit for us, if they'll put Rutherford's picture on it, holding the model. <laughs> you know, oh, that episode. would be cool. But yeah, it's funny how they take these characters and really make them into us, the fans, because they're always geeking out about, oh, I'm making a model of the ship. Oh, you know, so-and-so from the Enterprise D or Tom Paris from Voyager. Like they're all like fanboying and fangirling about other Mm -hmm. officers and other ships like we do. I I love that. And As Tendi says, after a long day of working on the ship, nothing relaxes me like building a smaller version of the ship. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. They're building this model. And what comes out of this story is kind of a bit of a uh, self-consciousness on the part of Rutherford that he's not 
as smart as he was before he lost his memory because he keeps finding these little notes from him, from himself in the model that he doesn't understand and he's trying to make this model functional and something keeps going wrong with it and that kind of thing. What did you think of this kind of setup for some of these issues that Rutherford's apparently been having since losing his memory from last season? I like it because he's trying to repair a ship. He's building a ship, but at the same time, he's like repairing these things that he can't get to work. And that also represents himself. He's trying to get things to work for himself that aren't really working. And so he's taking his frustration out on the ship. Because it really represents what he's going through. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't remember things. I'm not always working correctly. I feel incomplete. And I can't Mm -hmm. complete myself until, you know, I can figure out all the parts to put together for myself. And so the ship he's taking his aggravation on because it's just how he feels. And, And yeah, it feels like his past is teasing him. It's like, you know, hey, you were able to do this before. What's wrong with you now? So I can see him getting really frustrated and thankfully Tendi's there because Tendi is, you know, on the positive side of things of trying to point out how good he is and how great he is and that, you know, don't don't think that you're not the same person. You are. You're just as smart. You just need to realize that and just overcome that and, and get to the point where you realize that you are Rutherford. You're the same Rutherford as you were before. Yeah, and the model ends up being, of course, just a stand in for those deeper issues, which, you know, I really appreciated these characters are over the top and they're silly, but when it comes down to it, they're human or, well, you know, you know what I mean? Or Orion or whatever, but you know, they're people. And I love that this show explores some deeper things than maybe we've come to expect in lower decks. And Rutherford's line towards the end where he says like, you know, this isn't just about the model, all this stuff. I'm behind you by a year in our friendship. I feel like I keep having to try and catch up and all this kind of stuff. And I love that acknowledgement of how hard it's been for him, even though he hasn't really shown it up to this point. He's kind of been covering that up. But it's been tough, you know, and uh, I really appreciated that. Well, they're handling this better than TOS did with Uhura and Nomad when he wipes Mm -hmm. her memory. It's just the next week she's back to normal. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Getting to the other part of the story that really represents the heart of this show, we get Mariner and Boimler and their attempts to get to this command conference party. And meanwhile, all around them, the duplers are duplicating, the ship is in crisis, but Mariner just sees that as an opportunity because she says, you know, if they're going through a crisis, it'll be easier for us to sneak off the ship and go to this party. So she's like, all right, this is awesome. Boimler uh, wants to bring scants. He thinks they should be wearing scants to this party. <laughs> that would have been funny if they did and, they're the, and they were the only ones in scants. That would have mm-hmm. been actually pretty funny. Instead, they are just dirty uniforms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like how they led to how they would get in because, oh, well, you know, the lunar class Titan, uh, William Boimler would have had a ticket to go in, but they're, you know, so far away, they can't make it in time. So when you know, show up, he goes, oh, yeah, I'll ask his permission. She's like, no. He goes, oh, yeah, that's a bad idea. Like, he's so <laughs> innocent. And so at the same time, though, I thought, the other Boimler, the William Boimler, would probably be like, I can't make it. So, yeah, I'd want you to go. At least one of us should be there. Like, I would think he would be supportive. But at the same time, maybe because he'd be jealous. And no, 
I don't want you to go and pretend you're me. If anybody should go, it should be me. Yeah, I was curious about that, too. I was wondering, oh, he might might be okay with that. But I thought that was pretty funny that Boimler's going to ask permission. Mariner's like, no, that's ridiculous. Don't don't do that. They're yeah. just going to go. We do also see uh, they have updated dress uniforms. They have uniforms that are kind of closer to the kind we see in Insurrection and Nemesis, but they're still in the style of the lower deck. So instead of the open jacket in the front, they have like the the little side panel thing and the different insignia than the rest of the fleet. So I, I liked that. It was kind of in the style, but still a little different. I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, I remember thinking, oh, they look more lower deckish, but I hadn't really thought about the previous version to compare but yeah they don't have that open area like you're saying i hadn't thought about that i like that style you know i, mm -hmm. I like the the white look it, it does look very formal i did have that thought while they were in line to get into the party because all of the people in line have a different style of dress uniform than them and they have the like cerrito style uniform so i thought maybe the nasat and and that's the alien that's greeting them at the door also from the animated series which is really cool i thought that he would catch that they had different styles of uniform than everyone else but uh, he didn't catch that. No, he's not a true Star Trek fan because he would have caught it <laughs> if he were. But yeah, so they're they're beaming over to Starbase 25. They, they're not at the party yet, though. They're encountering some difficulty because they need to find out where the party's being held. It apparently is held in a secret location every year. And... <laughs> So, you know, they it's not just in, it wouldn't just be in Ballroom Alpha. That would just be, well, that is actually where it ends up being. But Mariner has to find out where the party is from and runs into an old friend because this Tellarite sees her. Uh, I say friend, friend should be in quote marks because this Mizarin, who's another alien race from TNG. Malvis. Malvis, yeah, is uh, going to set her up because he's going to use her to transport a bunch of data bubble baths. This episode just gets crazier and crazier, but apparently they're uh, actually cover for him trafficking weapons. So she kind of gets caught up in this whole plot here. I just think I would like to be involved in a show like this because you just come up with random things like, well, what could it be that he wants her to transport? Um, bubble bath? Okay, sure. Uh, we'll make the bottles look like data. Why not data bubble bath? <laughs> let's do that on this episode. Next week, let's do Ferengi Ego waffles, whatever. It's funny because, yeah, data bubble bath. And when you think in universe, how strange that is. Like, imagine <laughs> a military today that has bubble bath of one of their officers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. They need to do that. <laughs> it's just so weird. Oh, but you know what? Now that I think about it, it was his old uniform, right? From the D, the yellow. So it wasn't even a current looking data. No, it's a commemorative one of, of his past That's self, right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought that was strange. I mean, I, I guess we'll wait till it till we get later, but I, I like what how it ends with the bubble bath. I do have to say, though, some of them could be lores, apparently. They might not yes. all be datas. There might be some lores in there. Well, they could be B4s, too. No one even thought of that. <laughs> there should be at least one B4, for sure. <laughs> and it sings blue skies when you open it. There you go. Yeah. No, I loved that. I thought that was funny with the with the bubble bath. That was ridiculous. But, you know, I'm, I'm there for it. You know, I'm laughing along with this because it's just so ridiculous. It's so, so us, right? 
We would yeah, be excited absolutely. about Data Bubble Bath. And how much do you want to bet we're going to get that? So, yeah, we also get this chase through the starbase on uh, these kind of vehicles, I guess, through this massive starbase. And Brandy, when we were talking about this in the live show, mentioned, of course, the Blues Brothers, which, yeah, absolutely, I'm getting those vibes. And uh, Boimler calling out the various things that they're driving through and seeing. I, I thought this was a hilarious bit. And also, I do have to say the animation is just so good through all of this. I've been like kind of pausing through little bits and advancing frame by frame. And I'm like, the animation is just gorgeous through this whole section. Yeah. I did some freeze framing through the chase scene. I didn't see anything that really like caught my eye that was like, look at that, you know, like that's an Easter egg of some kind. Maybe there's one in there, but I didn't catch it, but I did love it when they're crashing through stuff and Boimler's like casino barbershop, fine men's clothing. That one cracked me up. Fine men's clothing. Because like, <laughs> that's the th- kind of thing you would go to an old department store and you'd have somebody running the elevator. And once it gets to that floor, ding, fine men's clothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. My favorite still is Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. Yes, that's my favorite too. And then they're just like fascinated. <laughs> that was terrific. I was so, f- yeah, that was awesome. And it's not just him <laughs> shouting Falcons. It's how it sounds, right? The Like you did it. Falcons, Falcons, Falcons. that was perfect you know it's funny is because the episode is uh an embarrassment of duplers there's kind of almost a doppler effect on boimler's voice there a little bit so (laughs) that's right Hmm. the episode should have been called the dupler effect (laughs) (laughs) that's a good one yeah it should have but yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying this episode, that mid-episode chase scene, really well done. Boimler's worried they're going to get arrested, of course, but Mariner contacts her friend and basically says, tell us where the, the party is, get us out of the situation, or I'll tell them who the weapons belong to. And he says, well, we'll both be in prison then. And she says, yep, and I'll be in the same cell as you. And he, that convinces him. He's, he's like, oh, okay, it's in ballroom alpha. <laughs> and then she's like, <laughs> Uh, of course. I mean, that's so obvious. I shouldn't even had to have asked, like, you know, like all that for nothing. Like that should have uh, been the first place they looked. And if it wasn't there, then go and try to find out. Exactly. What a waste of time. But, you know, I, I hope I see Jack Quaid at a convention because I'm going to go up to the mic because I want him to do those screams live. I oh, want to hear him. He's so good. Those screams. Like, I don't even think I could do those. It's so high pitched. It's so high pitched. <laughs> he's got to lose his voice eventually. It's <laughs> so good. Uh, and yeah, Boimler's screams have been just perfect in so many of these episodes. My favorite still being in episode two in the middle of the transporter beam where he's <laughs> yes. popping in and out. That was yes. great. Yeah. I wonder if that's how he got the part. They're like, scream for us. Oh, you got the part. So yeah, they end up in this lake, by the way, I should say, in this uh, environment within the starbase. And the car sinks below the water. And then up pop the data bubble baths. <laughs> They're flotation devices. Data was built to be a flotation device. That's what I loved about this. That's what made me think, is this the whole reason why they came up with the data bubble bath? Because they have this idea of data floating devices. And they thought, how do we work that in? <laughs> we'll make him bubble hmm. bath. <laughs> I love the bubble bath. I'm, I'm sure they even had stuff like that when I was a kid. I seem to remember, I don't know about Star Trek, but I remember bubble bath bottles with like characters' heads as the cap and yes. stuff. Oh yeah, there were there were many of them. I specific. I don't think I had any 
Now I think about it. But specifically, I remember seeing like Muppets mm. in the stores. Yeah. I think there were some... Yeah, there were. Oh, and I remember Princess Leia one. Uh, I think it was shampoo, though. That wasn't that hmm. long ago. I remember seeing that. Yeah, but there were there were stuff out there. Yeah, there might have been Star Trek ones that we're just not even aware of. But I don't. There think could so. very well be. Yeah, man, I I want a data one though, just on my back shelf now. <laughs> You're going to get one. I guarantee you they're going to start making them. So we should uh, talk a little bit about this Starbase. We've got a Quarks. So Quarks franchise is doing well. We've seen Quarks on Free Cloud in Picard. And now we see one here on Starbase 25. Uh, we have a Mott's Barbershop and a Garrick's Clothing Shop. So it seems that uh, those those people are doing well for themselves now in the post-Deep Space Nine, post-TNG world. Honestly, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I know this is all in fun, but it's just mm-hmm. like it's been done so many times in different episodes and even in Picard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, really? Did these people really go and just franchise out the yin-yang at this point? I'm just like... I don't know. I'd like to think that Quark is always struggling, you know, that he can never really get ahead. He starts to, and then, so the idea that he has Quarks everywhere, and even the travel guides that we got from Dayton Ward, like how to Quarks yeah. on Kronos and stuff. I mean, it's funny. It It's cute. I'm okay with the Quark one. Like, that makes sense to me, because, like you said, we've seen that before in other episodes and in the travel guides. And he's the Grand Nagus's brother. I mean, come on, that's got to come with some perks, right? But, right. yeah, the Garrick one, I'm a little bit like, I don't know about that. He does, I don't know, maybe it's a front for, like, a, a web of spies or something like that. But uh, that seems a little weird. Or maybe he just licensed his name to a clothing store. Could be. And Mr. Mott's, I guess we've seen before as well. So that, but yeah, it's a little bit too cute maybe, but that's okay. The Quarks one I can definitely forgive because apparently Quarks also sells the model kits that Tendi and Rutherford are building because (laughs) they're Quarks branded ones. We see the Deep Space Nine box at the end of the episode. I'm just waiting to see a Keiko O'Brien school somewhere. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But yeah, the Deep Space Nine model kit comes with both a Jadzia and an Esri. So that's a bonus. I know. I thought that was cute. I like that. I thought there were little like little figurines in there, you know. And then what? I kept thinking like, well, what other figurines are in there besides Ezri and J- Jadzia? I want to know. <laughs> I want this kit. Quark. There's got to be a Morn for sure. Oh, it has to be a Morn. He. But the thing is, he doesn't come off the bar stool. He's already. Yeah. <laughs> he's it's stuck. just one molded piece. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've got on the ship the Dupler problem. Of course, is coming to a head. They they keep duplicating duplicating i don't know and tendy and rutherford are trapped and this is where we get kind of the uh climax of their story where rutherford's confronting the issues he has and stuff and they detonate the warp core of the mini cerritos to blow open a hatch to escape i thought that was terrific meanwhile mariner and boimler are trying to get into the party boimler gets in because of course he's pretending to be william boimler from the titan but they won't let mariner in even as boimler's plus one because you know, she's from the Cerritos. She's not on a good enough ship to get in. That's just so bad. Come on. I mean, if it doesn't matter who your plus one is, right? It shouldn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But it set up the scene where the two confront each other, where she's like, oh, you're abandoning me. He says, I'm not abandoning you, you know? And, and then it 
course, all reveals, it all comes out that she's had this issue of him abandoning her when he left for the Titan and didn't say anything. And he's abandoning her again. And he's like, why didn't you tell me you felt this way? You know, and they could have talked through it. And she's like, everybody leaves me. That's how her whole life is. Again, we're finding little bits of information about Mariner where she's been. She's been on the station before. She's been on these other ships. She's been on DS9. We find out that people just keep leaving her. She has this defense mechanism where people don't get too close. On and on, keep finding these little bits about Mariner in each episode. Yeah, I love that. And again, it's the emotional core of this episode is the relationship between these two people and the fact that now halfway through season two, we're finally confronting that abandonment issue that Mariner has and that's exemplified by Boimler leaving and going to the Titan in the middle of Mariner's duty shift and not even telling her and that kind of thing. And I love that that's something that we're still exploring and that still resonates for these characters. You know, you watch the show on a very basic level and it's like, oh, funny people having funny adventures in the Star Trek universe. Ha ha ha. Look at the in-jokes. Look at the funny stuff. But there's real heart to this episode and there's real depth to these characters, which I truly do appreciate and really loved seeing that play out. Because that's what Star Trek is, right? So you need to have that. Absolutely. They could have made this into like another family guy and it probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have worked that well. I mean, maybe it would be pretty funny or something. I mean, if you like family guy humor, it might work out, but it wouldn't have that emotional connection. Like... I've watched Family Guy, but I don't have an emotional connection to the characters. This is important because I think they know that Star Trek fans especially look for those connections. They connect with the characters. So you have to keep that going in this series. Yeah, definitely. So Boimler does go to the party, but he ends up not having a great time because as he tells Mariner later... You know, the all the important admirals were there, but it wasn't as much fun because you weren't there to help me make fun of them, <laughs> which I thought that was a great line. But at this party, he sees uh, Captain Shelby. That was a nice little callback. No speaking parts or anything like that, but we see Captain Shelby and uh, some other captains that we've never met before. One very tiny captain perched on the shoulder of his first officer, apparently. And uh, Thadian O'Connor is the DJ, apparently. So <laughs> Captain O'Connor has moved on from his freighter and become a DJ, at least for this party. That's canon, people. He's a DJ now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And of course, we have to get the line, uh, O'Connor is in there. He's the DJ. What? He's not even Starfleet. This is outrageous. <laughs> get it get it outrageous the outrageous yes. O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> only us fans would get those right <laughs> oh i love it i do watch these thinking like people who are not that well versed in star trek lore you know are missing so much i mean the show's still entertaining but there's so many other things they're they're not getting because it's so rich in that stuff you don't need to know it but when you do know it it just enhances it Absolutely. Yeah. I love hearing about people who this is their first Star Trek and that's awesome. Like anything that brings in more fans, I'm all for, but I'm like, okay, once you watch this and then get immersed in the rest of the universe, go back and watch it again. It will be worth it. Definitely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then, you know, Captain Shelby, of course, at this period of time, she would be an admiral in the New Frontier novels. But I did read something the other day that on Deep Space Nine, they referred to Captain Shelby when she Mm -hmm. was already of the Sutherland, I think it was. 
Yep. In season six of Deep Space Nine, I want to say. Okay. Because in the books, she was of the Trident. So yeah. I read, I think it was in Memory Alpha or something, that you know when the books were going to go this direction with Shelby, they asked the shows, hey, are you going to be doing a thing? And they, nope, nope, nope. We're never going to do anything with Shelby. Do whatever you want. And then they did this, and they were like, the publishers like, come on. You told us you weren't going to do it. And they said, well, we didn't say... It was Elizabeth Shelby. It could be any Shelby. And so then mm. Peter David wrote in one of his books that that was a different Shelby of the Sutherland than the Shelby we know of the Trident. So maybe this is the different Shelby. Maybe this is Elizabeth Shelby's sister. Could be. She looks. They look a lot alike. So that could be interesting. Yeah, because mm. I dated a girl back in the day where she and her sister looked a lot alike. So it, it could mm-hmm. be that effect. Could be. But yeah, of course, the novels are not canon. So nobody is yes, beholden to them. Yes, they are. In my <laughs> mind, they are. <laughs> well, your mind doesn't count. That's not what canon means. I make it all work. <laughs> Boimler kind of gets annoyed with the party and leaves and finds Mariner in this kind of small rundown bar, decides to hang out with her because, you know, the party's no fun without her. And they kind of come to a bit of an understanding. Mariner's kind of ticked, but they kind of make peace and come together because of something that's etched into the bar. And the bartender points this out, that they are not the first Starfleet officers who've tried to crash that party and been unsuccessful. And carved into the bar is Kirk plus Spock. And apparently back in the 2260s, Kirk and Spock hung out in that bar after being um, unable to get into the uh, the Starfleet command party. I can't, I can't get it on my mind. How was it etched in there? Like who did it and using what? That's what I want to know. And why? <laughs> definitely Kirk. It was definitely Kirk that did it. <laughs> meanwhile spock is standing behind him commenting about how illogical these human rituals are of carving names into things i guess that's my that's what i think is happening for sure well the blonde one did most of the drinking (laughs) i like that that was excellent Uh, as far as what he used i'm thinking maybe a universal translator they kind of have that little chisel tip thing i bet you that would have worked I guess, because I can't can't picture Kirk just walk around with a knife after the party. Well, we also get the resolution to the Dupler story on the ship when the captain discovers that insulting the Dupler ambassador causes them to recombine and basically tells everybody to start insulting them. You know, even though you're Starfleet, forget about that. Let them have it be as mean as you possibly can and they get offended and start recombining until there's just the one left. My favorite bit from this is Shax yelling, your paw is weak and it disgusts me. And the Duplar is saying back, I don't even know what that is, but I don't like your tone. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I love that. That was one of my favorites. And of course, Dr. Tana with her beep, 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 your beep face. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love that so much of what she says is censored almost all the time. I love it. I want to hear an uncensored version. I really do. There's one out there and it's uh, from the episode in season one from the episode Crisis Point, the, the movie that Mariner made. And at the very end, when she calls Rutherford and Billups, she says, uh, Godspeed, you crazy bleeps mike mcmahon did release the uncensored version of that on twitter because some people thought that she said one word when she in fact said another word 
uh, that starts with F. And he wanted to be like, no, it's not it's not the slur. It's the it's the F bomb that she used. So that is out there. You can find that. But oh, uh, wow. yeah, I'm going to do that just because I want to hear it at least once. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I keep wanting them to come out with a DVD or Blu-ray version that's uncensored. Just. Just out of curiosity. I mean, it's funny with the bleeps, but at the same time, I do want to hear them say it just yeah. to see what that's like. There are some of them that I'm pretty certain like that what she's saying isn't like there's there's no word for it for us because in this one, she also says she let Admiral so-and-so put a bleep in her bleep. Right. And the the second bleep. I can't remember what letter it starts with, but it's nothing that we would think of as offensive. I think it's just some nonsense word and they bleep it to be funny. So I don't know. But Captain Freeman, the look on her face when she says that is pretty great too. Like, why is my doctor so profane? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Send her back to the 20th century and look for whales. She'll fit right in. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, they do manage to get the Dupler emissary back under control just in time to beam down with her senior officers to make it to this party. But they're unable to get in the California class. They're not allowed in. That's so wrong. I mean, she's a captain of a ship, of a starship. I mean, she should be able to go in. And then her Mm -hmm. friends up the stairs don't even acknowledge her when she's shouting for them. That was cold. That That was was really cold. No respect. No respect. They're their own lower decks of Starfleet. Absolutely. Yeah. The way this episode ends, I really liked. And and this really got to me. It really kind of made me appreciate this whole family of the Cerritos and stuff where they also make it to the bar that Boimler and Mariner are at. And we also see Rutherford and Tendi are there as well. And they're all kind of hanging out the, like you said, the lower decks of the fleet, right? They're the kind of put upon ones that aren't acknowledged. You know, as Freeman says, we put up with as much bleep as Picard and his crew. We should get special treatment as well. Not special treatment. We should get equal treatment as well. But no, they're not allowed in the party. They're all hanging out together at this bar. And there's so many great moments here. I love where Mariner and Boimler, they're having their little competition and the captain is standing there behind them and she's getting right into it with them as well. I thought that was just such a sweet moment. I actually related to this because I've been to so many parties, like the big corporate type parties like this one, and they're okay. To me, I never find them to be all that fun. Sometimes some are more fun than others, but the best parts is when you're with the people you really know at some little local hole-in-the-wall hangout. Because Mm. you guys all know each other, you have a bond, and it's more intimate, closed setting, and you're just hanging out, and you're just having a good time. And to me, yeah, that is the best party. Not standing around in some big place with music blaring, and people all in stuffy uniforms, and you gotta kiss up to different admirals. No. Just hanging out at the local pub. Definitely. I loved I loved that. I thought that was great. The episode ended just on the perfect note for me. Rutherford and Tendi getting started on their new Deep Space Nine model, <laughs> which I thought that was terrific. I have a Deep Space Nine model in the closet that I've not ever built. So I'm like, maybe I should pull that out. Yes, you should do that. 
in honor of this episode. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of in honor of this episode, do you have any final thoughts slash a rating for an embarrassment of duplers? I do. I'm just looking through my notes. I want to call out a few things. Real quick, there was no cold opening, which isn't the first time, but I think this is the second episode we've had that. No big mm-hmm. deal. But I like that uh, Malvis refers to Mariner as Becky mm-hmm. and brings up SETI Alpha 4 and SETI Alpha 5. <laughs> Those were fun. I thought there was life there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're in the car driving around. Fish people. Hey, we're not people. And then the old man that's raking. He's still alive. That just whole thing was weird to me. I didn't get that. That was funny. Yeah, that was. I, I think I said on the live show that that moment it was like a joke from a family guy type episode or a rick and morty it could have been in any one of those shows it didn't necessarily have to be in a star trek one but it was still funny like the poor guy (laughs) so this is how i die and then the car flips over him and he says no still alive i guess yeah see that's (laughs) a good point we're talking about it really makes the show even more fun if you know all these little star trek bits but what about things from other series that maybe we're not picking up on that we're not as familiar with yeah he could Mm -hmm. be from something else i like that i thought it was weird when mariner said to the bouncer she's from the voyager d Mm -hmm. what did that mean there's not a d voyager right no she was trying to bluff her way into the party okay that's what i thought (laughs) i mean i thought she's just making this up and then i thought Unless I'm missing something. I know there's not a Voyager D, but maybe there's some other Voyager D thing out there. I don't know. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you real quick. During the car chase, they get behind a mobile chair of Pike, like Pike had Mm -hmm. that beeps. And of course, it's not Pike in the chair, but it's some guy with glasses. And they kind of stay on that for a little while. Is that Mm -hmm. somebody we should know? Is that, I kind of suspect, like, is that supposed to be Alex Kurtzman? (laughs) I don't know. Oh. I thought it was supposed to be Mike McMahon, but that could be. I don't know. Okay. Could be. I have to look at it again. Yeah, I'll have to look at it again. I saw a lot of people online saying it looked a lot like Mike McMahon, but oh, okay. I, I, I wasn't looking at it at the time, so I'm not sure, but that's just what other people have been saying. Okay, I'll have to go back and look again. I didn't think Mike McMahon. He looked a little different to me. But anyway, my overall rating, I would say that, well, I'm going to say what I said the other night. Yeah, I I like this episode. I've liked all episodes, of course. It's not a standout for me. I think I like it a little more than some of the others this season, maybe just up there a little more. So I'd give it 787 duplers out of 1,147. I have to say, I think to me, this episode is a standout. I really liked this one. I thought it was a huge improvement over last week's episode, which I wasn't the biggest fan of. There's a lot of things that bugged me about last week's episode. One of the weaker ones, I thought, of Lower Decks last week. But this week, they're back to form here. I really, really enjoyed this episode, mostly because of the heart and the warm feelings I got at the end of the episode and that feeling of the Cerritos family and them all kind of coming together. Uh, The funny, funny bits are really funny and I really appreciated them. But to me, that heart of that episode just really kicked in at the end and made me appreciate what this show is and these characters and who they are and stuff. So yeah, I have to give this one, I think, think i'm going to say four and a half out of five really stuffy celebrity admirals uh that you'll meet at this party and maybe 
be able to suck up to if you get in the party. Good luck with getting in. Well, those are our thoughts on an embarrassment of duplers. Do you have any thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Please let us know. Uh, you can email us positivelytrek at gmail.com or leave a comment on the Facebook post for this in the Positively Trek discussion group. Always great discussions happening there. We love to hear from you and your thoughts on these shows. And Bruce, when you're not talking about Lower Decks and, and dealing with Duplers, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex, and I'm also occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast and Literary Treks. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions and anywhere else where uh, you can find Kurtrats or Kurtrats47 on the internet. And thank you so much to the Patreon supporters for your help in bringing these episodes to you. Could not do it without you. Very much appreciated. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. You didn't berate me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.